Good morning, and welcome to the Truth and Love radio broadcast. This program has been a part of the Mid-South for the last 70 years, faithfully overseen by the Getwold Church of Christ. Truth and Love will carry on lifting up the banner of New Testament Christianity today to the Mid-South area under the oversight of the Olive Branch Church of Christ. Please join us now as Mike Hickson opens the Bible and shares the truth in love. We're living in a day and time when the home is filled with disarray, division, discontent. I want to suggest to you today that the nation that we're now living in has been blessed for some two centuries or so in so many ways. And really, the nation that we live in has been blessed in many, many ways because it has been built upon the bedrock of families that understood the importance of accentuating God and His Word in their homes. Sadly, that's no longer the case. One of the real problems or challenges that we face in this day and time is that many homes have turned away from a loving God. They no longer realize the importance of following the blueprint, the pattern laid down in the scriptures. You know, the psalmist was right many years ago when he said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. To understand that God's word is the light that will help us be successful in our home or in homes all across this nation. If I were to ask you today, how's your home life? What would you say? Could I talk for a moment or two with you today about the importance, the blessings, if you please, of a Christian home? You know, there's some things that will help us enjoy success and prosperity in the home. The anchor or the foundation upon which the home must rest is the Lord. There's an old cliche that's been around for many years. As the home goes, so goes the nation. The reason our nation is in trouble is because the home is in trouble. And until we somehow right that ship, our nation will continue to deteriorate. It will erode. And sadly, it might be the case that the nation that we live in and that we love and appreciate, it may be that that nation will one day be spoken of in past history as a glorious nation, but one that fell. And the reason? Because the home was not what it should have been. Let's talk for a moment or two about the blessings of a Christian home. First and foremost, may I suggest that the home, in order for it to be a success, must be built upon the right foundation. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 127, verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Our homes must be built upon Almighty God and His Word. There was a day and time in this country when I believe people understood the importance of building their homes on the Lord, building their homes around the Lord. 
They knew something about the importance of God's word being a template or blueprint to guide the home. That's not the case today. You remember in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about the wise and foolish builder. And he said that the wise man heard the word of God and basically put that word into practice. He built his home upon the rock. He said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house. And he said, it fell not. Why? It was founded upon the rock. But those who hear the word and do not do it, he likened them to the foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And you remember Jesus said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall thereof. The reason homes today are not what they ought to be is because they're not built upon the solid foundation of the Lord. And again, as the psalmist said, except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had fathers today like Joshua of old, who said in the long ago, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What about that godly lady by the name of Hannah? You remember the Bible tells us that Hannah was barren, prayed to God for a child, and God granted her the request in her prayers. The Bible tells us that when that child was born, she said, as long as this child lives, he shall be granted or lent to the Lord. What if every mom today had a desire to point her children in the direction of service in the kingdom of God, of living for God and glorifying God in their daily lives. Don't you know this would be a better place? We need moms and dads like Joshua, like Hannah. And then not only is there importance of the importance of the right foundation, but I believe that our homes today must be built upon faith. We've got to have the right foundation and we've got to have homes of faith today. You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to God. That's found in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, how does faith come? Paul said faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Paul said, we walk by faith and not by sight. How then do we instill faith in our children? You remember what Paul said in Ephesians 6 at verse 4? And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The goal of every parent, of every Christian parent, ought to be to instruct their children in the paths of righteousness. Look at some of the homes today all across our, all across our country. Homes that are problematic. We see lives in disarray. Children who are bewildered and lost, searching. What are they searching for? Well, sadly, in many of those homes, there is a void of faith. Go back and look for a, for a moment at the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses, of course, is writing to the children of Israel. And he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And he said, you shall teach them diligently to your children. 
when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. God there through Moses, instructing the children of Israel, moms and dads, to teach, to instruct, to admonish their children in the word of the living God. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4? In verse 4, in his rebuttal to the devil, when the devil said, command that these stones be turned into bread, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If we could somehow cultivate the spirit within the home, that God's word is an imperative when it comes to blessings in this life. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, number one, there was to be love in the home, love for God. They were to love God with all of their heart, soul, and mind. If every home today genuinely loved God with all of their heart, soul, and mind, and then to love one another, to treat one another as members of God's family. That is to realize that we've been made in the image and the likeness of Almighty God, that we are the products of God, and to treat one another as he would have us to treat one another. But then not just is there love found there, but there must be loyalty. Because Moses said that not only were they to love God with all of their heart, soul, and mind, but the words which he commanded them were to be in their heart, to instill God's word in the heart. The psalmist said many years ago in Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. You remember in Psalm 1 at verse 2, the psalmist said that his meditation was on the law of Jehovah and on that law he meditated day and night. To recognize that the word of God is intended to alter, to change our behavior. Our country today is suffering not because we're following the Bible, but because we're not following the Bible. But then also, not only is there to be love and loyalty, but the Bible tells us there's to be leadership. If we genuinely love our children, if we're loyal to God and to his word, we're going to be leaders in the home. Is it not the case that in many homes, children are suffering because there's a lack of real, genuine leadership? There has been an abdication by many fathers in that role. Fathers are to be the spiritual leader in the home, and many, of those, many fathers, sadly, have walked away from that duty, and as a result of that, the mom has had to step in and serve as that spiritual leader. That's not God's design. No, Paul said in Ephesians 6, 4, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We need dads today who will be spiritual leaders in the home. Now, you remember in the book of Judges in chapter 2, the Bible, the Bible speaks of the children of Israel. And the text tells us that God's people were faithful during the days of Joshua. They were faithful during the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. But then the text tells us that there arose another generation that knew not the Lord, nor yet the great works which he had done in Israel. Here's the question. What happened? How is it that during the days of Joshua, God's people were faithful? 
During the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, they were faithful. But then you've got a third generation of people that come on the scene and they no longer know Jehovah God. The Bible says they forsook the Lord and served the Baals. How did that happen? Could I say that the reason there was apostasy in the nation of Israel was because mamas and daddies forgot the charge to diligently teach their children. They failed in that responsibility, and as a result of that, mayhem ensued. Turn to the book of Hosea for a minute. Hosea, of course, was writing to the northern kingdom. And Hosea, in the long ago, was writing to God's people. And he brought literally an indictment against the children of Israel. He said there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And you ask the question, how could that have happened? I mean, there were principles in place that should have ensured that the nation was well-versed in God's Word. I mean, after all, they had been the beneficiaries of the oracles of God, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 2. As Moses said, they were to diligently teach their children. But now here's the prophet saying there's no truth, there's no knowledge, there's no mercy of God in the land. Down in verse 6, he said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Turn over, if you would, to the book of Hosea, chapter 8, verse 12. And listen to what the prophet said there. Hosea said, I have written to them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. You know what Hosea was saying? God's word had become foreign to their ears. Is it the case today that in our nation, when we talk about just basic fundamental principles that people in response will say, that's odd, I never heard that. Never thought about that. I mean, think for a moment about the home. The Bible tells us that God's design for the home, one man, one woman for life. In Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus was questioned by the people of his day. Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? You remember Jesus asked the question, have you not read? Therein lies the taproot of all of our problems today in the home. We just haven't read. So what then is a biblical definition of marriage, of the home? Listen to what he said. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. Wherefore they are no more two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Now there's a lot of confusion in the world today, and particularly in this country, when it comes to marriage and the dynamics of marriage and who's eligible for marriage. I want you to listen to what the Creator said. Jesus went all the way back to the beginning. And Jesus said that in the beginning, God created the man and the woman. And marriage is between a man and a woman. Listen to him. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? 
For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. When you talk to people today, and they ask you, okay, tell me, what constitutes a biblical marriage? Please listen. And please listen very, very carefully. I do not say this with any type of animosity in my heart. But marriage is not between two men, nor is it between two women. No, the Bible says that marriage is between a male and a female, between a man and a woman. Now, that's what the Creator said. That's what the Bible said. And I think that when it's all said and done, the question of the hour is this. Will we respect the authority of Almighty God and His Word? Go back again and look at what Hosea said. I've written to them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Somebody says, I thought marriage was between two men or two women or maybe between a man and a woman. And you say, no, the Bible says it's between a man and a woman. And the response is, strange thing, never heard of that. It's because we don't know what the Bible teaches. Now go back and look at Hosea chapter 4 again. Because there was a void of biblical knowledge in the land, the byproducts are very apparent. He said there is, there is swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery. He said they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. Tell me that's not a commentary on America. Do we have people in our world today that have a problem telling the truth? Whatever happened to honesty and decency? trustworthiness, reliability. And we talk about the home and the importance of teaching our children. Do you know why children today do not understand the importance of honesty? Because as parents, we have failed to teach them principles of honesty, dependability, reliability. Hosea said, there is swearing and lying, killing and stealing. Look at the Mid-South area. Look around the globe today. You can go from country to country, and what do you see? You see people killing one another. Why? Because they don't appreciate the sanctity of human life. How sad it is. The prophet said they break all restraint. Listen, when people say no to the word of God, there are no boundaries. Now, let me give you the flip side of what I'm talking about. On the one hand, we have a nation bereft of biblical knowledge. Again, going back to the book of Judges and the fact that a generation arose that knew not the Lord, Hosea, centuries later, identifying God's people as being void of knowledge. But then, over in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, you remember the Bible speaks of two godly women, Timothy's mother and grandmother. And the Apostle Paul called to mind the genuine faith. He said that dwelt first in his grandmother, Lois, and then in his mother, Eunice. And then he went on to say, and I am persuaded in you also. Question, where did, that, where did, where did all of that begin? Well, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 in about verse 15. Paul said, and that from infancy, 
childhood. You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. To understand that Timothy was the product of a home of faith. His mama, his grandmama, they instructed him in the principles of righteousness. Listen again to what Paul said, that he had known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make one wise unto salvation. Now just think about this for a minute. Your son or daughter, your son or daughter can go to heaven without ever having graduated from college. Your son or daughter could go to heaven without ever having a graduate degree, without ever being successful on the athletic field. But your son or daughter, grandchild, cannot go to heaven if he or she is not a Christian. That's why it is imperative that we lay a foundation and that the home is built on the Lord, that it is a home of faith. But then there's a third thing I want to share with you for a moment or two. It has to do with the focus in the home. Homes today are floundering because the focus is not on the spiritual, but in many respects, it's on the secular. What's the emphasis in your home? When I was a young fella growing up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I remember well the blessings of of being reared in a beautiful city. And as you well know, athletics has always been a part of American life in many respects, at least within the last century or so. But it seems to me that there has been given greater attention and focus to athletics and academics today rather than the spiritual side of life. When I was a child, on the Lord's Day, that is on Sunday, department stores weren't open, grocery stores weren't open. I don't remember ball games being played in the city on Sundays, at least when I was a young fella. But then things began to change. The grocery store right down from where we live began to open from 1 to 5 or 1 to 6. And then over time, department stores began to open. Now you jettison forward in time, and what do you see today? Sunday, business as usual. Back in the days of Amos, God's people wanted the Sabbath day to hurry up and get over with so they could get back to business. The Sabbath was intended to call them to stop, to pause in the midst of their busy lives and think about things that were spiritual in nature. Our nation today, when it comes to Sunday, the Lord's Day in many respects, business as usual. Athletic fields filled with children on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Now let me just ask you a question. Are athletics that important? What about academics? What about when the sole focus in the home, when it comes to children, is just academics? I mean, we've got to prepare them to be successful in life. Listen, if we leave out the spiritual side of life, our children may be successful in the world. But this world will not stand forever, wasn't built to be here forever. One day, they, like us, will be in eternity 
And the question, were they prepared for that eternal realm? Let's just talk for a moment or two about the spiritual side of life. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? The Lord taught, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The word first there means before anything else. Is the Lord first in your home? When it comes to matters pertaining to the kingdom of God, is that number one? Is that a priority in your life? Has it become a priority in the lives of your children? What about your grandchildren? In the book of Colossians in chapter 3, Paul said, If you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above, not on things which are upon this earth. And then he goes on to say, down in verse 4, For Christ, who is our life. Now there are a couple of points of interest here. Paul is writing to people that have been born again. That is, they've obeyed the gospel. At some point in time, they had heard the gospel of Christ. You know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They had repented of their sins as instructed on Pentecost Day by Peter and the apostles in Acts 2, verse 38. They had confessed the name of Christ, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And they had been buried with Christ in baptism and they had been raised to walk in newness of life, as Paul taught in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. And because that old person of sin had been put away, had died, they were to seek things which were above and not things on the earth. Their affections were to be in heaven and not on earth. And then down in verse 4, as Paul said, Christ is our life. If you were to ask the Apostle Paul in the first century, Paul, tell me, what's life all about for you? I'm going tell you what he would have said. It's about Christ. Can you say that about your life? That your life is all about the Lord? That he is the focal point of your life? Did you know that your children and your grandchildren, they know what's important to you? Isn't it amazing in the South? Or really, we could say all over the country. In the fall of the year, what is paramount in the minds of people? I can tell you what it is, football. That's the banner under which many people fly. That has become the God of many people's lives. And they'll sit out in weather that is unbelievable. It could be freezing rain, sleet, snow, temperatures below freezing. I mean, you could just name the various types of weather that people can experience in this world and then apply that to a Saturday or to a Sunday. And what do you see? People in the stands. Why? Because they love it. Well, that's where the focus is. But spiritually, the focus is to be upon God. Nothing wrong with ball games. nothing wrong with academics, but the focal point of life is to be God. And so we have misunderstood the mission of life, the purpose of life. Sadly, life's not about the Lord. It's about what we want, what we think. Jesus said that we're to, that we're to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. There's a fourth and final thing I want to share with you in our study. It has to do with the future of the home. And I want to ask you a very serious question. And I want you to just think about it for a moment or two. In the next few days, roll it around in your mind. 
Where will your children spend eternity? Where will your grandchildren spend eternity? In all probability, where you spend eternity. Says something about how you're living. Says something about how we're to live. To understand that in many respects, they walk in our footsteps. I don't know a parent today that has a desire for their child to lose their soul in a devil's hell. No, the goal of every parent is for their child, their children, to be with the Lord in heaven. And so what that says to me is we've got to get the home right to give our children the opportunity to live a godly life and to one day be with the Lord in heaven. May the Lord bless your home. God bless. Thank you for listening today. We would love to have you visit with us at the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandridge Road, Olive Branch, Mississippi, 38654. We meet for Sunday Bible study at 9 a.m. Worship is at 10 a.m. Sunday afternoon study is at 1 p.m. Tuesday morning class, Bible class is at 10 a.m. Wednesday evening Bible class at 7 p.m. Please visit our website, www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org.